Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. On today's episode, Rove swings by to help me discuss episode three of the Marvel series Loki, and I'll give you a bit of backstory on Kang the Conqueror. My name is Justin Hamilton, and this is a shanty-free zone here on Big Squid. Today's podcast, where of course Rove and I are talking about the series Loki. Before we go right into it, though, just a couple of little things that I wanted to chat with you about. First up, you will hear Rove and I talk about WandaVision and how there is a ghostly figure that's been added to the after credits scene. It's right at the end when you zoom into that place where Wanda is now living while she's studying her dark magic, and this ghostly figure that hadn't been there before, suddenly appears. It's very faint, and uh, I only heard about it online, and I went and checked it out, and I saw it, and I told Rove about it. He hadn't even heard about it, so it was great to bring it up. We have a good time hypothesizing about it, and we recorded this the previous night, and then I got up this morning, and it turns out the whole thing is an editing mistake from a lighting effect that was airbrushed out. So it's just a mistake. It's not Doctor Strange. It completely stomps on my hope that finally I was correct about Mephisto. And it certainly isn't Albino Vision. So rather than take that chat out of the podcast, I've just left it there. So you can hear the two of us get very excited about something that turns out to be nothing. Kind of sounds like my life in some ways. (laughs) Uh, Another thing, and this happens when conversations go off on tangents, I forgot to say to Rove that I thought maybe the idea of the two variations of Loki falling in love was a metaphor for Loki learning to love himself. This is a classic superhero staple to have a metaphor be made literal with capes and powers. 
Uh, but this could all be an extended metaphor for Loki's male and female sides, finding common ground, and in the end making him more complete. And the reason I never got to this metaphor was because I was too busy being an idiot asking Rove the first question I ask him in the pod. And that was all making me laugh a bit too much and I missed my notes and therefore forgot to get back to my original point. So if there's a variant Hamo out there, a female Hamo, I'm sure she's rolling her eyes at me for not mentioning this because I was quite happy when I originally thought of this. I thought it was a good idea. I thought it was a good thought. I wanted to share it with someone. And, you know, things get a bit childish instead. Anyway, you will get to it and you'll know what I'm talking about. I also had a mate of mine uh, point out to me, uh, and this was this morning, so I didn't get to bring it up with Rove, that uh, the two guards that the Lokis trick are Private Hudson and Corporal Hicks, which are the names of Bill Paxton's and Michael Behan's characters in Aliens. So that was a nice catch. Uh, And that also made me remember that Loki slamming his drink to the ground and demanding another as a call back to Thor in his first movie. Now, I realise we've been banging on about Kang the Conqueror without really explaining him. This is a tricky proposition. The, the, the reason it's tricky is because the, the character of Kang is lots of different characters in the comics, but they're, it's, it wasn't a planned thing. It's like, oh, you know this character that you met in this Fantastic Four comic? It turns out... That was a version of Kang. And so there's a lot of rewriting of history and it's a confusing character because he jumps in and out of time. And I thought, well, if you're enjoying Loki and then you're hearing us bang on about Kang, you you might not know. You might not know the character. So I thought what I'll do is I'll try to make this as simple as possible and I'm just going to keep it to the bare facts. And that way you can kind of understand uh, who we're talking about if you've never come across the character before. So Kang's real name is Nathaniel Richards, a 31st century historical scholar who may be a distant descendant of either Reed Richards or Doctor Doom. Nathan discovers Doctor Doom's ancient time travel tech and uses it to travel back to the era of ancient Egypt. There, he goes by the name of Ramatat, and he rules the land by using his futuristic tech to make himself appear to be a god. Then the Fantastic Four turn up, and they put the kibosh on that. Ramatat escapes to the 20th century, where he meets Doctor Doom, and he gets super inspired by Doctor Doom's armour, so therefore Ramatat decides to take on a new identity, and this time he goes by the name of the Scarlet Centurion. Once again, the heroes of the 20th century defeat him and he attempts to return to his original timeline. Unfortunately, he overshoots the 31st century and finds himself in the 40th century where things are pretty shit. Human civilization has collapsed and Richards, who was the, became Ramatat, who then became the Scarlet Centurion, is now the only person who understands how to use the forgotten but advanced technology that is still in working order. So he now uses that tech and takes on a new identity, Kang the Conqueror. And boy, does he live up to that name by not only becoming ruler of this timeline, but he extends his kingdom beyond the confines of Earth. He isn't content with this though, and begins messing with time in an attempt to rewrite history to suit his own whims. Now, 
There is a point where eventually Kang gives up his name and his empire and instead teams up with an alien race you may have heard of recently, the Timekeepers. They grant him true immortality and in turn, Kang agrees to preserve the timeline and the Timekeepers rise to power. He then changes his name to Immortus and he pretty much has to fix the damage all his younger selves are responsible for. And if none of that is confusing enough, Kang has had some other identities, which I won't bore you with here, but thanks to the power of time travel, there are various incarnations of Kang who basically coexist alongside each other and sometimes team up to wage war against one another. This is why at one point when I'm talking to Rove in the podcast, I say to him, Loki is feeling less like Doctor Who to me and more like Rick and Morty. That is in the future of this podcast that I recorded yesterday. So look, we're time traveling in our own way. The reason I'm bringing this up is Kang is making his debut in Ant-Man 3, Quantumania. And that's why Rove and I keep bringing it up. So hopefully that has all made sense. He also has the love of his life, who is a woman called... Uh, Ravana. Is that how you pronounce her name? Oh, I should have looked that up. I've got to put that in, and then I thought uh, I'll just I'll just add that now. And then I was like, oh, is that how you uh, pronounce the name? Let me just check in the internet. Ravana. Yep. Uh, who is also uh, a character in Loki? So there you go. That's all the little connections that are going on there. Um, I hope that helps for any of you who have never heard of Kang before or maybe have heard of Kang or or come across him but didn't quite know the history. There's much, much more to Kang. At one point, he becomes another character called Iron Lad who was in Young Justice who blah, 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 blah. Oh, my God, my head. You can do a deep dive on the rest of it. That is just the bare basics so you can enjoy as much of this chat as possible. And with that, let's get into it and bring in Rove to talk about episode three of Loki. I am Loki, and I am burdened with glorious purpose. Glorious purpose. Glorious. You gotta be kidding me. This Wednesday, be hiding anywhere, anytime. How nice to meet you. This isn't about you. Cheers. To me. Come on. What did you expect? So in episode three of Loki, it feels like Loki might be falling in love with a version of himself. And I wondered... How would you go with a female version of you? <laughs> well, some would argue that that is me. Um, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> uh, I, I feel like I'm the, the one of the least masculine men I know, and I and I, I pride myself on that. Look, it's really <laughs> like it's just it's what any male from the age of about fifteen is always. Let's be honest somewhat fantasized about it's just really you know it's that it's the future idea of of masturbation from the moment you knew you had one between your legs and there was something you could do with it 
this was an inevitable outcome um, that, you know, if you could somehow meet a, a version of yourself from, well, not necessarily the opposite sex depending on your persuasion, but certainly another version of you that you could have sex with or at least fool around with, you'd give it a crack, wouldn't you? I, it, it depends on my age. I reckon now if I met, like, a, a female Juzzy, I reckon it'd be like, well, what types of chips do you want to go and buy? And which Nolan movie do we begin with? But maybe see, when I was younger. Thing, but, you see, you're, but you're also not a, you're not a perfect facsimile of, of each other. That's the other thing, you know. It's hard to say at this point whether, whether variant Sylvie is like Loki that we know and is just rebelling against the fact that they are the same or whether there really are parts of them that just don't gel. Um, and I would think I, she strikes me as being not quite the same age as him. So you might be, you know, looking at a younger version of yourself and, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship with, with someone who's, younger or older than you, but sometimes that older person can be a little bit like, let me tell you how it works. <laughs> I don't think I could stand that version of myself. I'd just say, shut up and, you know, fiddle <laughs> fiddle with my ghoulies or something. <laughs> you know, just do the, do the thing that I like, <laughs> whatever that might be, you know. Stick your yep. finger in my ear or whatever the new erogenous zone is for your future. In fact, that's, that's what I'd be doing. I'd be looking at, at what I would deem future version of me. Yeah. Because if we're from different, different timelines, I would say, right, what's the new hip, funky, artisanal way of getting off in your timeline? <laughs> Do that to me. And I just hope it doesn't require anything too painful. Yeah. <laughs> that's the fear. That is the fear. Of, yeah. I'm nothing if not a bit of a, a pussycat in the bedroom at the risk of sharing too much. Wow, we've gone early. <laughs> no point in wasting uh, any time. In fact, that's how, actually, in fact, I would use Loki's line. That's how I would describe myself in the bedroom. I look like someone with a shit plan. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure that they're the one with the plan then and you just uh, tag along for the ride. Just just show me what to do and how to do it and we'll be good. And then, then, then we'll get down to comparing action figures and that is not a euphemism. Yes, absolutely. You can tell me all the ones that I should keep in the blistered pack. <laughs> Which ones are okay to play with. I found this episode a little bit strange because I kind of really like parts of it and I found parts of it to be kind of disappointing. So should, should we start with the disappointing sides of it? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, to begin with, I I kind of find uh, the, the Sylvie version of Loki less interesting the more I get to know her. And Fair. I feel like they're not doing enough stuff with her like I liked watching her use her powers when she went all kind of inception with that woman from the TVA and I like that she dropped information about you know that they're not that they're all humans that they're all humans from previous yes. uh, timelines etc so I like that themselves that are kind of in this role not by choice but you could argue that, well, that doesn't change anything because it's not like we thought the TVA were good guys. Even last week we were talking about the fact that it seems like, you know, who are they to be controlling this one perfect timeline? And that seems a bit like 
I don't know, timeline cleansing or something, whatever the phrase would be. So all that's done is just go, okay, well, you've just brought Loki up to speed with what we thought, but he obviously had his suspicions because he wanted to get to find out who the timekeepers were. So as, as interesting as that was in moving the plot forward, it's not like it's a massive revelation. No, and she's just a little bit the straight woman. Like, he's still the fun one. He's still the one drinking. He's the one singing songs. He's the one playing games. And at the moment, in that episode at least, I felt like she was just kind of pushing back against him for being hedonistic. And mm. and I, I'm just finding it a little bit disappointing because why can't she be the one drinking? Why can't she be the one yes. who's... Like, I know she's got a plan, but she's a Loki or a version of Loki. So I I just found her a little bit less interesting the more we got to know her. Yeah, and look, there's there's a thought I had that maybe we'll find. I mean, I must admit I haven't rewatched it enough times to kind of be plotting where this could be, but where maybe she did the sort of enchantment spell to take over his mind and maybe in the same way that she did with um, the TVA time cop that she's gone back into a memory and that's what we're experiencing here is that memory. But I guess my, my big thing at the end of this episode was it wasn't until at the end of the episode that I sort of realised or discovered, I should say, that we're halfway through. I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't sort of really looked at too much of it beforehand to, to discover that there's only six episodes. So I was kind of okay with where we ended. It sort of felt like it was not really much of a cliffhanger ending. Um, okay. They went to get on the, the, the arc, the escape arc, and that didn't happen. Um, but that sort of being your big, big cliffhanger, you, you think, well, okay. So they haven't got their time door, but that doesn't mean that, um, Morbius or, or Mobius or anyone else isn't going to come with a time door and track them down somehow or it didn't feel that like the stakes were that high for the episode to suddenly end on that note and then following up from that I realised, oh, geez, this is the halfway point. Yeah. Um, so I felt like we, I was enjoying it until I realised, oh, this was episode three of six. I wish that maybe more had have happened now. Yeah. Because now I'm worried that, you know, on a show that had did, did a lot in episode one and two, it's not to say they couldn't do it in four, five, and six, but I still feel like I don't know that we had in six episodes enough time in this second half to just kind of be doing a lot of running. We're running to get on the train, then stuff happens on the train, which is helpful, but it's more character stuff. And then, and then the rest of the episode is more running. And I didn't know that we kind of can waste that time right now. It felt a little bit like episode eight of a 13-part mm. Doctor Who season. And I normally wouldn't mind that kind of veering off and taking a breath. But I thought it was like eight episodes in this uh, series. And I also went, oh, God, this is the halfway point. And it just felt a lot like, as you said, with the running, running to that house and meeting that woman who kind of, what tells them that they have to catch a train that they do catch, but they don't really need it because they could walk 
a mm. lot of the distance in time, and it just the the planet itself was cool. Uh, well, the moon, you know, as the planet is crashing around it and everything, all of that was spectacular. But it felt to me like this could have been. 12 minutes this could have been Mm. 12 minutes they could have ended up there they could have had a chat they could have worked out what they had to do and then gotten off the planet and it just felt like like there was a one of the things that annoys me is i I fucking hate made-up bullshit songs that no one gives a fuck about (laughs) do you mean his little you mean his little shanty that he was singing loki's shanty after a couple of ports Stick the shanty up your Loki. Like, I wasn't into it. It was just like, there's so much that's going on. And we've just left the previous episode with the timelines all going nuts. And this is not a time for a shanty. That was our big... That was our big to be continued was, look, the timelines are going haywire. And granted that we could be sitting in one of those timelines and that's the whole point of well, this ship is going to explode and you feel like they're going to be stuck on this moon that's or this planet that's about to have a moon self-destruct onto it. Yeah. Except for, and and the reveal being, ha-ha, but this is only one of the many timelines and then they die and we realise they didn't really because they're existing in multiple places at multiple times, except that for the week before, we had this, this, um, this plot point that was put out there in the world building that the rules of how this all works is that when there's a major catastrophic event like Pompeii, you can go and release all the goats you want until everybody it's going to explode. The volcanoes are going to explode and it doesn't matter because in that window of time, it's a fixed point in time that's going to happen. So anything you do up until then is irrelevant because you can't change it. So when these guys are running for the arc and they're like, well, the arc's meant to explode well not today i'm like no you've kind of set up that it is because this is one of those major catastrophic catastrophic events because as soon as they land sylvie's saying oh great you landed us on the on the moon that's going to explode thanks a bunch so i thought oh okay maybe this is how we find another low key because we're in one of those little you know uh, loopholes in the timeline where stuff can happen and a variant can be found hiding in plain sight but that's not why we were there and i must admit that the stuff with sylvie as great as it was felt like it was the at the expense of what i thought was going to be the buddy cop of of mobius and and loki which uh, i'd really been enjoying and again that's not to say Owen Wilson might be back in episode four, but then that's a whole episode with no Owen Wilson and you've only got six. Yeah, it just felt like the timing of this part of the story was in the wrong place. It went a little bit too long. Once again, it feels like if it had been like a 10 to 12 minute diversion, it would have been, wow, that was a hell of a set piece. And look, in the same, yeah, and in the same way that I guess we were sort of hinting at last week that we're not going to overly theorise on something until all the cards are on the table because in these types of shows, sometimes you can do your head in. That can also be f- part of the fun in, you know, uncovering a potential Ray Fiennes um, cameo that we never, no one had considered. And whether it happens or not, it's still fun to play that game. But um, I still, uh, so I'm still at that point of, look, I'll let you, I'll, I'll see where this takes me and I won't be too critical until, we're at the finish line because quite clearly they've they've they know they've only got six episodes and yet they've still 
slowed it down somewhat this week and they would have done that intentionally and I'm sure we'll find out maybe as quickly as next week or or if not before the end so I won't be too harsh on it but there is a little part of me that's just kind of nervously going okay I'm trusting you know where you're going with this because again you know I was enjoying what it was um and maybe this is just to to set up okay all of our TVA agents uh don't uh they don't have their own agency after all which has me thinking as we were talking about last week with Owen Wilson maybe he was a 90s guy with a jet ski and he was ripped out of his timeline to be brainwashed into being an agent and that's why he has this weird fascination with this particular brand of, of soft drink and has a stack of brochures for uh, on his desk for jet skis. And then when he goes into someone's office, he's like, oh, I remember that. I wish I had grabbed one of those roller skates. Like maybe he did. Maybe that office of his, his superior is filled with knickknacks from Earth that came with him or people like him. So... Uh, so again, all of that I'm sure is to come, but, but yeah, it just sort of felt like, well, we could have snuck that in at the tail end of the episode. Like they could have got off the planet halfway through this episode and I wouldn't have felt like it was rushed. So, um, but, but I'll just, I'll wait and see where we're going, but, um, man, I just hope he comes back next week. I just was really enjoying that dynamic. And now we're kind of being asked to invest in, in a new one with Sylvie. And it just wasn't as interesting. And one of the things that was in, uh, kind of fascinating online was that people were very excited that Loki uh, admitted essentially that he's bisexual. And, sure. you know, I understand the – and, of course, embrace the idea of, uh, you know, representation throughout all sorts of storytelling. But for me, him just saying it felt a bit flat to me. And it's like, we've never seen any hint of it previously. And it, it just wasn't a, like the two character beats of the episode can't be the TVA were normal people. Oh, by the way, I'm bisexual. And everyone was like, isn't this great? It's like, it didn't need to be 40 odd minutes. It, it still could have all been done in a 12 minute span and, 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 and show us. It'd be good if they follow up on that would be nice too. It's now that he said it. Let's see him, you know, flirt with a guard or something like that. Does this put a whole new spin on Thor? So I'm now at the point of going, okay, so, so, you know, what's, what's the reveal here that we're looking for? Obviously it's about uh, who are the time keepers, I suppose, is, is, is where this lands. Um, there was a part of me that was thinking, right, we keep seeing that there's three timekeepers and when we're dealing with, with time travel and timelines, the idea of the three parts of that are, are past, present and future. So maybe there's something in the three timekeepers are Loki variants themselves where there's the Loki of the past and the Loki of the future and it's the Loki of the now that's come in to you know, either or either they're trying to stop, you know, other Lokis from discovering their plan or whether they need this one to become, you know, one of the three. But even then I'm thinking, I don't know if I'd be satisfied with that. I kind of like that he's this this little maverick guy running around. As a quick aside, that was one of my 
long-term issues with with the Star Wars franchise. And if you haven't seen all nine of them by now, I can't help you with this. Um, but the fact that the Skywalker family became really important when it was like, no, I kind of just like the fact that it was just, he was just the guy who kind of, you know, was on this farm. But, you know, now it's sort of, it's by the end of it, they're like, it was like interplanetary royalty with the 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 Skywalker clan, and I feel that you know I don't want I don't want Loki to to be the most important person in the galaxy again. Similar thing that happened to Doctor du- Doctor Who for a, a, you know for so many decades, it was just this time traveling maverick, and then it became everybody in the galaxy knows who Doctor Who is because this this character has been flying through the galaxy in different timelines for decades. So of course everyone would know of and, and have a legend of this time traveling adventurer. And I'm like, well, I don't know that I want the character to be famous within their own show. So, uh, so yeah, again, I'll just sort of see where it leads, but I'm not quite sure, you know, and again, maybe Loki and Sylvia, two of those three timekeepers that we we end up with. But uh, it sort of feels like we're headed to a, a potential Westworld type of thing of, you know, are we in, are we in a dream within a dream type of thing that, uh, that, that I'll be interested to see if, if that's where they go, how well they can land that. Cause that can sometimes be a very tricky thing when suddenly it just erases all the stakes. So if here we are about to be on a planet that's going to ex- explode and it doesn't matter because there's other timeline versions of you that have survived it and we'll just cut to them, kind of just takes away all the jeopardy. I hope they don't do that. Just getting back to your Star Wars point and Doctor Who point, sci-fi shows should never feel like everyone's in Dubbo and knows each other. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's like it was a galaxy a long time ago, far, far away, and it felt like, oh, yeah, nah, that's, uh, that's Gary from over, the, you know, mm. Over three suburbs, and then also, I, I'm finding that Loki is feeling less uh, like Doctor Who and is feeling much more like Rick and Morty. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the whole uh, like there was some there was some again wonderful dialogue between the characters, like the whole um, love is a dagger metaphor that he seemed to be spending all this time on, and then he got gets to the end and it just kind of fizzles away. <laughs> he hadn't quite thought it through the whole way. Like there's some really lovely moments there. And, and again, you know, uh, how do I look? I oh, like a guy with a shit plan, um, like those sorts of things. I just love the fact that Loki, and I, I feel like it's maybe even a Hiddleston choice. He just keeps popping his collar every, like, even when he got thrown out of the, the house by the old lady and he turns back into himself. The first thing he does is just pop his collar again. There's all those little things are great. I'm enjoying that. Um, I guess it's just, you know, we were headed in a certain direction and now we've, we've uh, pivoted to use a modern phrase. And again, that's fine. Um, I'm just hoping with six episodes that it, it, it reaches a satisfying conclusion. Yeah, if it was eight episodes and this was episode five, I feel like I'd kind of accepted a little bit more, but it didn't feel like it had the right momentum before it started to do something like this. You know, also, I don't quite know what Sylvie's plan is. And uh, one of the things that I was wondering is the, you know, we've had Wanda, and her powers are a little bit like Wanda's, actually, which Mm. is kind of fascinating. And... Wanda's going into the next uh, Doctor Strange movie, which is the madness of the multiverse. And 
is her plan to start the multiverse up again? Because, you know, we saw in the video that there was a previous multiverse Mm -hmm. and there was a battle and then now it's become this one timeline. So is she someone who embraces chaos and that's what she wants to bring back to the to the multiverse? That that was my thought. I I thought maybe this is where the multiverse begins yeah. at at the end of this series. Um, I guess a lot of this is still. I'm not sure what the purpose of the Marvel TV series is with regards to the films. Are they a companion piece? Um, you know, like. Um, there are people who could who could have watched the Star Wars Rebels TV series or even Rogue One, which is an offshoot movie, and it doesn't it's there if you want to enjoy more than just the main storyline. But you can still watch the main nine Star Wars films having never seen Rebels or Bad Batch or Clone Wars or Rogue One and uh and it it won't matter um and just trying to work out with with these with these disney plus series whether yeah are, are they are they setting up the next big bad for the films but then if you haven't got disney plus but you go to the movies are you going to turn up and go well i don't know who this character is all of a sudden um so yeah i do feel like maybe this is a way you can just suddenly go this is why we have multiverses now without it being too impacting for someone who then just goes to watch the movies um but you know usually they're pretty good at you know drip feeding something like Thanos didn't just turn up. There was a lot of little nods to him here and there and references and, you know, uh, I'll, I'll do it myself kind of cameos and stuff. But I found myself like at the end of this episode, spooling through the credits waiting for, oh, there's going to be a post credits scene because it felt like it was not the most impacting of endings and when there wasn't one, I was like, oh, okay. So it was just an episode. <laughs> that, was, that was my reaction. I was just like, oh, okay. And, I, and then I thought, oh, I, th- I feel like I'm doing a, dis- uh, a disservice to it. So I rewatched it. And then halfway through it, I discovered myself in the kitchen making dinner. And I was just listening to it. Like I just, it wasn't even a conscious decision. I was just like, oh, I'm hungry. I'll just go over and... Uh, start getting food ready and so that was that was a sign to me that there was just something about the episode that just didn't just didn't grab me yeah and again you know we'll, we'll see what happens because little things like um sylvie going into the tva and discovering that her little enchantment trick of jumping into people's minds and taking over their body doesn't work um I thought was interesting because I would have assumed that she's kind of been in there before to know that the timekeepers exist and that the TVA exists and that's where she needs to be. And I, she's right at the lift doors to get her up to apparently where the timekeepers are and Loki gets in her way. Well, this isn't her first mission yet. She doesn't seem to know that she can't just touch someone on the head and have her magic or any of her skill set work. She has to use the little zapping sticks, which are an amazing prop. Oh, which are great. So it's easy to go, well, that's an easy, yeah, that's something to be critical of. 
except, well, maybe that's intentional uh, and we find out that's actually a clue to something that is paid off later on. So as always, I'll just kind of wait and see, but it's something I'm taking note of is, huh, that doesn't quite add up for me and maybe that's the point of it. But right now it sometimes kind of feels like, hmm, all right, that's, it's not quite like, hey, isn't it great that Owen Wilson's character is obsessed with jet skis and then you find out, oh, my God, that's why. This feels like, oh, well, the character's flawed or the writing's not quite there. But, you know, again, as a Doctor Who reference, there was, a you know, what people thought was a continuity problem of the Doctor running off without a jacket and running back in with a jacket to one of his companions. And everyone's like, oh, they fucked that up. They fucked that up. And the whole point was, no, it was a different version of him that was coming back to offer his companion advice from the future. So, We'll just hold off and see what happens. I would love to get to the end and go, oh, well, that episode ended up being much more uh, fulfilling and important than I expected. But mm. still, it feels like that's all coming from the dialogue. It's not, I don't think the situation that they're in is necessarily part of that. Um, it just feels like, yeah, the, the dialogue between the two of them. And, you know, I find it quite sweet that you know, Sylvia is saying, I don't, I don't trust you enough to fall asleep, yet she does fall asleep later. Um, I still think there's liberties being taken with the fact that we all love Ragnarok Loki as a bit of a goofball because when she, you know, he still seems to be falling into that comedy role a little bit. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so that kind of interplay between the two of them is, is still quite sweet though, and is moving them forward, which is, which is satisfying, um, and you know, little references like, okay, who's the postman that she fell in love with? We're all, I think, the other big part of Loki saying he's bisexual is maybe then to distract everybody from the fact that she said, yeah, I did love someone who was the postman, and I don't necessarily know that that's a gag. Um, it might be okay. Well, who's who's that? Well, I'm hoping it's uh, Willie Lumpkin, who was the postman for the Fantastic Four, who was well, the old guy. There's always everything leads to, <laughs> you know, some kind of potential um, creation of, of new characters. But uh, I'm not quite sure if that's what any of these shows have set up to do. We've had two of them so far and it hasn't really come to fruition. So I'm not holding out hope and by that i mean my expectations are that uh, aren't that that will happen um, which is fine i'm just making sure i've set my expectations to a very reasonable level yeah yeah well did you see uh, i don't know if this has been added or if we just missed it to begin with but i saw a thing online today that and i went and checked it out the uh wandavision the very last uh after credit scene with Wanda in the mountains, they've yes. added something. And if you look, uh, when they get to the mountains, just before mm-hmm. they get to her home, well, wherever she is, her shack. just her shack in the corner, there is now quite clearly a shadowy figure with a cape floating towards where Wanda is. And uh, so you're saying if you rewatch it. Yes. The scene now is different to what it was before. 
So someone was saying, uh, I saw this online, someone was saying that this has been added. And I'm like, has it been added or did we just miss it to begin with? But I went and had a look and there is definitely a figure there. And I'm wondering if that's Doctor Strange astral projecting or something like that. Look, it's always that. Who who saw the Stormtrooper bumping his head the first time round? Nobody. And don't say you did because if you did, it was you came to that film long after the blooper was famous because I watched that film for decades and didn't know that a stormtrooper hit their head. Yeah. Uh, you just didn't, you weren't looking for it. I watched, I don't know, I watched the young ones a, a bit, you know, it wasn't as easy back in the 80s and early 90s kids to watch things uh, multiple times, but I did have the VHS tapes and there, and uh, I watched them multiple times before I realised, oh, there's a hippie hiding in the background of every episode somewhere. Where's Wally style? He's just sitting there with his with the hair. It's like like to the point where someone, when it, when I first heard about it, it was one of those urban myths that it was a ghost on the set that nobody knew about. It's like, no, I think he was intentionally there. It's just a little something that was hidden if you keep an eye on what's happening in the background. So maybe this Doctor Strange thing, if that's who it is, was always at the end of WandaVision. But I like the idea that they've gone back in and added it after the fact. Interesting. I'll go back and have a look at that. Or is this an effect from the Loki series? Is this the timelines converging? Is this uh, is this Loki travelling? What a, what an amazing thing to do. What a flex to go back and say, we're going to re, recut, because it's a, a streaming thing. We can go back and change stuff and edit stuff, yeah. and uh, and and put different things in there. That's if they're doing that. Poof, I applaud it. I think it's pretty cool. That's a game changer in storytelling, isn't it? And what a way to make you go, yeah, you need to go back and watch some of these again. Oh, Marvel and Disney, you'll be again. And look, look, I did. I don't know. I know we said, oh, we'll start with the negative, and it seems that we didn't move on to any of the positive. But, it, you know, I want to point out it has been in there. But little, you know, I like when it started too, just the idea of you scouring a planet for a charger really made me chuckle. Like, you know, everybody's been there nowadays. The idea that your battery's on 5% and you still got three quarters of the day to go. Uh, <laughs> Because you were draining your 4G, trying to FaceTime with people all day. Um, that that sort of stuff made me did make me laugh, and of course, a lot of the um, the dialogue between the two of them again was was as sparkling as ever. But yeah, like you say, things like I don't know why we had the old lady again. She a reference to demons is in there. Okay. And there's, you know, that did also set up the whole, well, what is love? And well, she didn't love him. She hated him. Uh, that's what obviously kickstarted that whole love conversation. So it's not like the scene was completely pointless, but um yeah, it's uh, it still has me going. Okay, let's see, let's see where we're going here. But um, yeah, there's still a lot to enjoy about it. Again, maybe it's just because there's only six of them. I just feel like I need every morsel to be a really tasty and fulfilling bite, and that's not necessarily always going to be the case with anything. Well, that's what they did with the first two. So then, when you get to the third one, and it's just like, oh, you, you, you know, you guys set the bar. Like it's not yeah. not my fault if uh, you, you didn't quite uh, pass it for me. Yeah. Then you go, okay, it can be a palate cleanser. That's okay. I'll allow it to be a, a palate cleanser. That's okay. But, geez, yeah, let's. Let's nail these just, next yeah. three. 
yeah, let's see what happens. The planet that the well, they're on the moon of the planet, but that planet is uh, from Annihilation, which is uh, you know a, a pretty big storyline in the Marvel universe. Do you think they're setting anything up, or do you think this is you know essentially just a uh, just a a name check? I think I think it's just putting nods in there. We had uh, Madripoor and in, in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, that again, uh, yeah, a lot of people went X Men here they come, and I think a lot of this is again, it's a it's a long game that they play. It's just referencing this place exists um, to so that when we go there properly down the track, um, we're not just throwing you in the deep end. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure that it's much more than than that at this point. I guess we'll we'll see. In the same way that you know Mephisto didn't turn up at the end of WandaVision. Um, but we just got enough of uh of the Dolores character to sort of satisfy the series. So um and there was enough other stuff in there for fans to chew over and get excited about. Um that uh, yeah, I think that's really all that this serves at the moment. Unless unless I'm wrong, I, f- I feel that there's nothing's happened in the first two TV series that we've seen of Marvel on Disney Plus that that makes me think that we're going to have any real major revelations of any of the other franchises crossing over at this point. Hiddleston was still great in this episode as well. I've, I have been kind of negative towards it. The visuals looked amazing. It's kind of like if you're like watching Doctor Who with a budget. That's how it feels a bit. Yeah, that, this is what it could look like. So, <laughs> But I'm still, I'm still invested and, you know, uh, I'm hoping that we, in the next episode, just kind of move the story along a little bit more. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And just keep us, yeah, keep us, oh, I just guide us in the right direction a little bit too um you know as as much as you you want there to be all sorts of mysteries and and red herrings at the same time you want to have an idea of you know if this was uh you know recently watching the mayor of east town the kate winslet drama which has nothing to do with this except that to say like you knew that you were trying to find the murderer that, that's what we're looking for here. And there was a whole lot of other subplots along the way that you thought maybe it was all linked together with this other thing that's going on and that other thing. And each episode to the next, you're like, oh, it's this person. No, wait, no, no, it's definitely that person. Oh, wait, no, I know who it is. It's that other person. Um, whereas this, it still feels like, so where am I? Where am I looking? What am I looking for? And and who is it? Is it is the revelation of the TVA? Is it the timeline stuff? Is it the timekeepers? Because at the moment, I feel like it's the timekeepers, but it might actually not be. It might be. Oh no! It's like we shatter the multiverse. There are no things as timekeepers, and that's where we're headed. I feel like maybe a little bit of guidance as to where we should be looking here. It's a good point that you make because it was all about we need you to help us capture this person who's doing all these terrible things and that person is you and then he meets him or a version Mm. of Loki and now they've teamed up and it's like so are we stopping the multiverse from happening Mm. 
it, it does feel like we're leading towards the TVA, but I, you, I think you're correct in that we know that Kang the Conqueror is the villain in Ant-Man 3. Are they going to show us Kang in a Disney Plus show? Well, again, you're going to have to, at this point, have reference that there, there possibly was a Kang, because if you suddenly reveal at the end, it's Kang, everyone would... You, 90% of your audience will probably go, who? Um, we've never... Who, have we heard of... Was that a reference we missed in one of the Ant-Man... I didn't, I didn't watch the, the Ant-Man and Wasp one. Was it in that? Is that where it was? Um, or I haven't re-watched these four or five different times to get all the different nods from Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So... I don't know that's where it leads. I'm guessing at this point the only thing to expect is that Owen Wilson, uh, the the blind has come off. He realises the people that he's been working for. And let's be honest, he's like that religious follower who has just been blindly saying, yes, I will do what I'm told. And, you know, part of being here is just the belief is the fact that you believe is what makes it real. Um, so he's going to have a bit of an epiphany as as that eye-opening moment is revealed to him. But then I assume it then turns around into him joining forces with, with Loki and Sylvie to f- let's get to these timekeepers and, and find out who that is. And, uh, and I'm cool with that. If that's if that's where we where where we're going, um, but just a little bit of cheese to help this confused little rat through the maze would be nice. That would be nice. Maybe he's beach bum Loki. Oh, geez, that'd be all right. I would like the idea of if the the human that was nabbed from the nineties, who was obsessed with jet skis and and turned into a TVA agent, was actually Owen Wilson. Remember, there was that period of time where he, he had mental health issues that I don't want to make light of that in any way, shape, or form. But it's like maybe that's what happened. He got he got yanked out of his own timeline and then and then brought back for wedding crashes. That's what's happened. There's a whole alternate universe that's missed out on him appearing in Wes Anderson movies, and that seems like a timeline I do not want to exist in. I'm going to go look back on Wikipedia and just go, was, was, was Owen Wilson really into jet skis at some point? Because if so, maybe they're, they're playing us better than we know. Yeah, it's all coming together. All right. Well, let's hopefully with our, our next episode have a little bit more to uh, chew on and also a bit more of an idea on where it's going. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a pleasure. And remember, I'm hedonistic. It's what I do. Thank you to Roe for chatting with me about the episode. I'm sorry if I sounded a bit bummed out about it. Listening back to it, I feel like I say, let's start off by getting the negative shit out the way and then... I don't know, I just felt a bit flat after that one, but it's not my fault. The first two episodes were so good, and this one, it just didn't quite land for me. But you might agree, you might disagree. If you do either of those, come over to our private Facebook page, uh, Big Squid with Justin Hamilton, and let me know your thoughts. If you haven't joined before, just ask. Anyone can come in and hang out with me and the rest of the gang there. There's lots of great discussions going on, not just about Loki, so I'd love to hear from you. And, you know, maybe you can tell me something that makes me think, oh, yeah, there, there was more to this episode than I thought. But, you know, after two watches, it was just a bit like... There's only six episodes in the season. I don't know if we really have time for this. I just feel like it could have been better. Anyway, I'm still in. I'm still in, and we'll have Rove back next week to continue discussing this 
TV series. Uh, before we go, I also just realised we are two episodes away from our 100th Big Squid episode. Now, I, I knew this was coming up a couple of months ago and I had some ideas, but then things got super busy and then I'm now in lockdown and it just kind of got away from me. And I would kind of like to do something to celebrate. Uh, I'll have a think and let you know with the next episode out on Thursday. Uh, that's the one that will cover the final episode in season two of The Leftovers. Anyone who's watching that, holy shit, what a great ending, right? I've already rewatched it twice and may have been teary in both viewings. I am definitely a sook and I love this show so much. Anyway, I do have an idea for the 100th episode. Something that I can do on my own, but we can also do together. So I guess what I'm asking you is if if we did kind of a viewing of something, would you prefer we do it on a Saturday or a Sunday and I'll plan accordingly. What I'm thinking of is I'll record a podcast that you can listen to while we all watch a movie and uh, maybe on the private Facebook page, uh, I'll get on online and I'll set up a, you know, a place for us to be able to chat about that movie and you can listen to my thoughts, etc. And then you can write to me and then I can write to you. And I thought that might be a fun way to celebrate the 100th episode. I'm thinking about the movie and um, I'll tell you Thursday. I'll tell you the episode that I'm thinking of, uh, the movie that I'm thinking of watching. And uh, will I give you a hint? I reckon it is... I reckon it's kind of the first movie that I obsessed about. That it's it's kind of like my gateway into being a grown up. Ooh, I know. Um, anyway, let me know if you'd prefer something on a Saturday or a Sunday, and we'll go from there. You can let me know on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. I'm pretty easy to find if you don't already follow me. Uh, ben Elwood will be back next week with our second to last Sophia Coppola movie. That's the Beguiled. Uh, I was going to bring it out this week and then, you know, it's just been a little bit manic and a little bit full on while we get used to uh, what's happening with this lockdown in Sydney. Uh, But uh, I've pushed it to next week and then we've already decided on who our next director will be that we're going to watch their movies. So I reckon maybe we'll have another competition where you can win shit off my desk. That last uh, competition we did was heaps of fun. And I'm keen to get another one up and running. And if you remember correctly, that was some pretty cool shit that was won. All right. This podcast will be back Thursday and then maybe it'll be back Saturday or Sunday. Let's try and get a little bit of a consensus on this. Let's finish today with a quote from Joanne Harris from her book, The Gospel of Loki. Clever folk aren't popular by and large. They arouse suspicion. They don't fit in. They can be useful, as I proved on a number of occasions, but among the general population, there's always a sense of vague mistrust, as if the very qualities that make them indispensable also make them dangerous. Until then. We'll be right back.
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.